G'day legends and welcome to Your Life of Impact, where we connect with world-class athletes and coaches, health experts and enthusiasts, inspiring entrepreneurs and community leaders, all to teach you how to tap into your inner excellence. I'm your host, Brett Robbo, and I'm extremely grateful you're joining us today on Your Impactful Journey. Malcolm Larry is a leadership and culture transformation consultant, a speaker, conference host, and a coach. He says, every day I help individuals and organizations create engagement and inspiration around managing change. When people understand the true value and contribution they bring, engagement naturally follows. Malcolm is originally from Sydney and now living in Sweden, and that's how we were connected. And he's a very in-demand coach and speaker focused on empowering companies and individuals to use their unique abilities to drive positive change. He's a master practitioner of neuro-linguistic programming, and his almost 25-year career as coach and speaker has seen him conducting workshops and masterclasses in Australia all across Europe, Asia, and the USA. As a highly regarded consultant on self-leadership, diversity, collaboration, and values, he is regularly training and coaching teams from some of the largest companies in the Nordics, including Ericsson. I was going to read them all out, but they probably don't mean anything to you guys. Spotify, there's a big one, and the Swedish Police Force, just to name a few. There's some other big ones in there as well, but we probably don't know who they are. Oh, no, there's Electrolux as well. (laughs) He's often praised for his skills in the art of pitch and presentation. Malcolm teaches these critical skills at Berg School of Communication. Actually, knowing my Swedish, that's probably Berrias School of Communication, Hyper Island, which is in Sweden and the UK, and works with up to 100 startups every year in startup accelerators like Antler Global. Additionally, Malcolm has worked across Europe as a conference host, including TEDx in Stockholm. He's also the founder of Brave Personal Development and will publish his first book called Hustle and Serve, this year in 2022. So in this episode, we discuss confidence, how a lack of confidence can be linked to a lack of opportunities or progress towards our goals and visions. And Malcolm unpacks his confidence ladder and teaches us how to develop and maintain more confidence. We talk about the importance of energy before action and the mind-body link that you have more control over than you realize. And we dive deep into values and priorities. And this was actually really great because Malcolm challenged me on my values structure and helped me realize how I've combined my values and my priorities together, what the difference is, and why it can be more empowering if we actually separate them. Malcolm is a very humbling, genuine bloke, and we've connected a lot offline. And to be honest, I always feel like I'm seeping wisdom from a master when I've spent time with him, even if it's just through some messages or emails. If you like this episode, I'd be super grateful if you shared it with your friends, colleagues, family, anyone who you believe will also get value from it. And here's why. I connected with a guy recently who took up my free 30-minute business breakthrough coaching session, and we dug into his 
his deeper why, why he's venturing into a new business. His deeper purpose behind his change in trajectory was because of some dark and challenging times that he'd faced in the past, and he knew that this new business was a way to support other men not to go through the same challenges that he experienced. And I asked him why... Uh, sorry, I asked him what he'd done for, for personal development work over the years to, to help him through these challenges and these, these tough times. And he said, you were with me most days back then, Robbo, and you helped me through. I was listening to your podcast nonstop and taking a lot of action from what I was learning on there, and it helped me immensely. Wow, I'd never met this guy before. I'd never heard from him until this day. Yet this podcast that you're listening to right now, the content in here and the amazing guests helped him through some of the darkest times in his life. And I often hear about stories like this from the podcast. That's why I would love you to share this episode and this whole podcast with anyone that you believe will get value from it. Because even if I don't know that you've shared it, if I don't hear about it, the potential ripple effect can be life-saving and life-changing. And that's what I call significant impact. Okay, now let's hear from the legend himself, Malcolm Larry. Shena Huralagat Kompis. Hey, hey buddy, nice to see you. It's going to be great to be here with so for everyone listening who's a bit confused right now thinking, oh, I've tuned into the right podcast, uh, yep. Malcolm and I are connecting in Sweden. We've been connected by a mutual connection, uh, both Aussie blokes living in Sweden and married our beautiful Swedish partners. So here we are uh, enjoying the dream in Sweden together. But So in English, welcome. Welcome Thanks, to your mate. life of welcome, impact. Welcome to the Love Refugee Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, classic. So you're coming to me from Stockholm. I'm up north in uh, beautiful little Avdolan. Mm-hmm. And we kicked off uh, just before the chat asking you uh, what you're most grateful for. So I'd love it if you could share with, with everyone listening. What are you grateful for today, Malcolm? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm really grateful for the sunny weather because when you're an Australian living in Stockholm and you go through this long, dark winter, you know, it is so psychologically challenging, the darkness. You know, everyone tells you about the winter and you think, how hard could it be? Well, it turns out it can be really hard. Um, so for me, you know, as soon as the sun comes out, I immediately get like a huge energy upswing and it's like the it's like taking the best drugs in the world, to be quite <laughs> honest. Um, but it's also like this time when in Sweden there's a... Um, you know, there's two kinds of sweets. There's the summer sweet and the winter sweet. And so what happens over the winter is everyone becomes a, more and more introverted as they kind of try to conserve the last bit of their energy. It's a bit like on your phone when the battery signal's red. And so suddenly everyone's more social. Everyone wants to have coffee. Everyone wants to have lunch. So I really love this time of year in Sweden because it's just like it's not only the trees that are coming back to life, but it's like the whole city is coming back to life and you're walking around and you can see people are just happier and it's really contagious. 
Oh, I love it. See, I love, I'm, I'm a bit of both. I love the winter. I love the spring that we're in right now. I love the summer because I'm out on the skis or the board every day yep. and, you know, playing with the kids where thick snow up here. But I completely understand what you're saying there around the mental health. What do you do personally to to ensure that the the darkness of the winter doesn't impact you mentally and emotionally? Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's a, it's a challenge. So, I mean, I have a therapy light that I use, which makes an enormous amount of difference. Got to take lots of vitamin D. But I've actually, you know, been quite inspired by you. And I think the winter sports thing's a really big piece of it to make sure that you stay physically active. So you've inspired me. And I'm about to go for a skiing weekend over the Easter break. Yes. And, uh, but I'm going to make sure that uh, in the year ahead, I'm going to, you know, really get into that cross-country skiing like you have. Because I think it's, you know, there's something also about, you know, the piece that maybe I've been missing, which I think you've really clicked on is being kind of adapting to the winter activities and don't let the winter activity like the winter weather keep you inside mm. but actually keep finding ways to be outside so you've, you've inspired me but i think you know for me a therapy light has been like astonishingly helpful like it is, is that amazing. red light therapy yeah it's just a little it's about the size of an ipad yep and it sends out this specific kind of light which is the same kind of light as sunlight same kind of radio of whatever you call those, blue light, I don't know what you call it, um, but it, it's phenomenal how much difference it makes. You know, I wake up, can feel really, really depressed, and then, like, after half an hour with this light, maybe 30 minutes after that, I feel 100% myself. Mm. And so it's really like you can feel that chemical switch in your brain where your brain goes, oh, yeah, it's daytime, yep. and it can get into that daytime mode, whereas without it, it's, like, really... It's like, you know, you feel like it's just midnight all the time, you know. I've got my big light panel here. I'll just hold it up for you. For those listening, they wouldn't see it, but this is my one and I put it on the chair behind me when I'm working or I can stand beside it. I lie it on the floor sideways and I lay on my Shakti mat, which is a spike mat, and do my breathing beside it. So, yeah, I'm all for it as well. The red light therapy is phenomenal. Red light therapy, yeah, red light, that's it. But, uh, you know, I think it's all about, you know, life's all about strategy, right? It's all about there's going to be a problem, uh, but you've got, it's not, you, you probably need, you know, a, you know, a several things to create a strategy. You need a mindset, you need a practice, and you need a support system, you know, and that's pretty much what I'm telling my coaching clients all the time. It's like you need a strategy, and a strategy is not just a plan, but it's a, it's a number of things, you know. Well, speaking of mindset, we're going to dive into a lot of that of what you coach and teach as well. But with the mindset aspect, confidence is something that comes up a lot with with people that I work with, whether they're aware of it or not. Some people are hyper aware of it, and some people don't really realize until we, you know, deep dive into certain things that the confidence or lack of confidence can be, you know, the reason they're missing opportunities in life, but a huge reason why they're not moving towards their goals and visions. Mm. So what is it that uh, I know that I've seen some stuff that you talked about a while ago about the confidence ladder, but how does that play yeah. out in what you do and what, what is the the way that you frame the confidence ladder? Yeah. Well, you know, first I think, you know, confidence is a state of certainty at its base level. What is confidence? It's actually a state of certainty that you can do something, that something can be achieved or that you have the skills and talents to achieve it. And so one of the things that I think is a really, really good thing to do with, you know, with your clients or with your friends and family is 
to really say what is something that you have 100% confidence that you're good at and go in and have them access that state. How do you feel? How do you stand? How do you breathe when you have that confidence? And then have them stand and be in that space and then have them imagine doing the things that they would like to be doing. And so you're anchoring, a, you know, the sensations of the body, the breathing, the posture, you know, even like really subtle things like how wide open your eyes are when you're confident. All of these things are like signals from your body to your brain that you're confident. Now, one of the amazing things about the human animal is that the mind and the body are just, you know, intimately connected all the time. Like the mind affects the body and the body affects the mind. And so we actually have the opportunity to um, use our body to influence our mind. This is classic NLP. This is nothing new. People have been talking about it for years. But I think it's one of the hidden pieces of like having confidence in doing new things. And so this for me is like a really key piece. And so one of the things that I think is really important with, you know, when I talk about this confidence ladder is the first thing you want to do is get your physical energy feeling good. You have to be feeling good in yourself just at a physical level, like just your basic daily energy and health, like having this baseline of let's call it your vibration, right? But then above that, you know, if you go into the gym and you do a workout, you come out feeling really good. The first thing that happens is, you know, you want to participate in the world. You want to be active in the world, right? It's like, yeah, I want to do something today. Ready and to so go. then you have like this energy of curiosity and possibility coming in. And then out of that, you take action and you try something. And then after action, after action, comes confidence, which is, oh, I did it. Maybe it wasn't perfect. Maybe it was even quite terrible. But now I have more information about what it is. I can repeat that cycle. And so one of the things that I really love to do is, you know, and I teach at a communication school where I'm teaching the art of public speaking, you know, in Stockholm, one of the best communication schools in the world. And one of the things I'm really teaching people is like, just to get your energy up to this level where it's a match for the task that you want to do. So how can I bring my certainty levels up to a level where it's like the thing that I want to do and the energy match really, really beautifully? And so for me, this is something that I'm working with my coaching clients all the time. And I was interesting you brought this up as a, as a topic because last night I was starting to write a blog on imposter syndrome because I'm so mm. sick of seeing people talking about this all over LinkedIn, that everyone's got imposter syndrome and it's okay to have imposter syndrome. And, and it's like, okay, it's okay to have it, but wouldn't you want to spend more time thinking about how not to have it and celebrating it? Like there's this culture now of um, I have a problem, let's celebrate my problem. And I'm all for vulnerability as a, you know, like a good thing in our society, but what are you going to spend your attention on? celebrating the fact that you have imposter syndrome or would you rather have a cure for it? And one of the things that, that I hear all the time is, you know, I have imposter syndrome about this. And we, when I go through with my clients and we break down what that actually is, it's almost always a mental construction of how they think they should behave in a situation that they've never been in. 
and they create this kind of avatar in their head of a person who does that job, how they act, how they speak, how they, they are, which is a complete mismatch for them, right? And so I say, how do you know that's like what a person's like? Well, I just think that's what someone would be like. Well, is it possible they could be someone just like you who on their first day didn't know much about it at all? Right. Mm. And so one of the th- one of the things you do if you want to get rid of imposter syndrome is really like kill the avatar that you've created mm-hmm. in your head about, you know, which is a mismatch for you and that 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 avatar. Right. So if you get rid of the avatar, then you can get rid of imposter syndrome because there's actually there's when we talk about imposter syndrome, we're imagining that there must be someone who's authentic in that way. Like just the the name of it, right? Imposter syndrome. But in reality, the, the, the person that we're trying to model, it doesn't exist, almost never exists. And if we do have a role model, who is it? It's like Elon Musk or, you know, uh, Bill Gates or some other super mega achiever who's a complete outlier in terms of performance and results, mm. right? And so this is something I'm working with with founders a lot. With like you know in the in I work very active in the startup community, so I'm working with a lot of people who go from being a founder to being a CEO overnight. People who are working with three people and suddenly have a team of forty mm. in in the space of twelve months, and you know they're all dealing with this imposter syndrome because they're they're really just trying to follow you know a template of success that they've imagined, but is even not based in reality most of the time when we question, you know, some of the things. The good old imposter monster, it always comes up when we're trying something new or we're about to uh, go into something new. So what I'm hearing you say is there's a lot of the comparison mindset there as well, but people are comparing to even sometimes a figment because it's a comparison with an assumption. So they're comparing themselves to what they assume someone else would be like in their situation and therefore putting themselves down against an assumption that might not actually be the truth. And this is what I call the bullshit stories that we tell ourselves. We just start ruminating on these bullshit stories, but we start believing them as well. And, of course, if we're believing something that is, you know, causing a lack of confidence and a lack of self-belief, then we start to believe that that's the truth about us. And, and could you have imposter syndrome if you didn't do the comparison? Let me right? think about that. So if we weren't comparing ourselves to anyone, could there actually be imposter syndrome? What's the definition of imposter syndrome? Yeah, really good one, right? So people are <laughs> saying it all the time. There's, we th- these words get put into the, the mix, you know, and really imposter syndrome is whatever you're experiencing it to be you know it doesn't matter what the clinical definition is it's whatever it is that you're experiencing it to be so for some of my clients it's uh it could be something that they lack in terms of education it could be something that they lack in terms of self-worth it could be lack in terms of something just like not even just having enough information about the job so all of these bullshit stories that you call them, thank you for we, it's great that we can uh, use Australian English on this podcast, <laughs> but all of these stories we make up are because we have a vacuum somewhere. There's a, there's a lack of information and a lack of clarity. And humans, are, I remember my NLP teachers, you know, 
used to call human beings mad, meaning adding devices. And wherever there's a gap of information, logic, reason, human beings will fill it in with a story. Mm. There is no space in the human mind for a vacuum, Mm -hmm. right? And so every single thing that happens, we add meaning to it. Everything that happens in the world, we add a meaning to it. Mm. And this is like the kind of illness of the, uh, of, the, of the human mind because, you know, a cow eats grass and it looks up and it looks around and then eats some more grass and it doesn't go, you know, I think, I think the other cows don't like me because they're standing a bit too far away. <laughs> you know, it's just thinking grass, cow, you know. Yeah. Another cow, blue sky, moo, right? But the human mind, it just fills in every gap with the story, mm. you know? And last week, you know, um, while we're talking about the mind, last week I was speaking at a, a, a big event for diversity and inclusion uh, for a company called AFRI in Stockholm, big consulting company, 17,000 people they have. And I was talking about, like, you know, this whole thing about inclusive leadership you know, one of the problems in, in the corporate world is that, you know, they've kind of made inclusion to be black, white, man, woman. If we could just get those four categories balanced, we've got inclusion. But then I say, what about the people in your team that drive you crazy? What about their, you know, what about their diversity? Mm. You know, the introvert or the person who's outspoken or the person who's um, sharp-tempered. Like there's all this diversity and things in the world and we put all these stories on that. And I told the, all the leaders, you know, your job after this workshop is every time you're on the train, just, just look around on the train and look about how many stories you make up immediately mm. about everyone you see on the train, right? It's like, oh, there's a sexy woman. Why is that man wearing a red hat? Well, that woman's got two children. I think she should, you know, keep them under control. She doesn't know how to, how to parent those children. You know, it's just the stories just... Mm. just just welling up out of us all the time, trying to make reason and sense out of this, you know, chaotic world. So when it comes to confidence, one of the things we can do, as I said, just bring the closing the circle is just we can use our past experience as a platform to stand on because we're all confident at something. I've never had a coaching client who wasn't confident at something, even if it was skateboarding. I was confident at skateboarding when I was 13. Great. Go back to that moment. But also really think about the story you're making up. And is it your story? Because often we're given stories as well. Like, oh, that industry is really hard. Mm. That industry you're going into is brutally competitive. Mm. So maybe you can't someone make else. money in that industry. <laughs> yeah, right. So, so maybe, someone, maybe you've got a, a, you know, like a mind cancer from somebody else or a thought cancer from somebody else that's creating that imposter syndrome or that that challenge or you've just made up and you've just got a whole set of assumptions that don't serve you mm. so sometimes i'll just say to my clients so what assumptions are you making oh that i might not be good enough and i might not be and i said well all of those assumptions are just as real as you saying what if I'm really excellent at this? And what if I get promoted really quickly? And what if I double my salary in three years? They're, they're equally true. Which one feels better? Spend time on the one that feels better. And 
so that comes down to the self-talk because that's as we're talking about confidence remembering back i had dr michael gervais who's one of the world's best sports psychologists on the podcast yeah. a couple of times wow. and he talks about how confidence is directly related to self-talk mm-hmm. and so lack of confidence is obviously directly related to self-talk which is what exactly what we're talking about because the self-talk of the lack of confidence with the imposter syndrome is I'm not as good as them. I'll never be as good as them or what ifs, the mm-hmm. would have, could have, should have, buts, mm-hmm. all of all of the BS stories that we're telling ourselves. So that self-talk that you talk about now in the opposite to that, because you talked before about energy before action, mm-hmm. meaning, you know, get your energy up yeah. in, in different ways before you take the action, you're going to take yeah. more aligned sort of action. What, what do you see is important or is it a mix of the, the concoction that has to be together with the self-talk and the energy? Yeah, I think I think um, I think because we live in the human body, you know, because we're we're trapped in this meat suit for our journey <laughs> around the sun, how many, however many times we do it, I think it's really important, you know. And I can I know you're a proponent of this because I've seen your videos of you having cold showers and things. Is you have to use your physical energy as the foundational energy that you use, and then you work on your mindset because i don't think you can outthink a body that feels like a pile of garbage yeah i mean you might do it for a short time but like if you don't feel well just just on a basic level feel feel physically well have enough energy to manage the day you're not exhausted you're not you know feeling ill um and you feel you know strong like whatever that means for you I think that is the best place to start because that foundation you can build an amazing mindset on top of with mm. self-talk. And so I always, you know, I've had people come to me for coaching and I've looked at them and I've said, you've got to go and see my friend Gustav, the personal trainer, for six months to a year mm-hmm. because the, the way you are now, it's like, it's like putting on icing on a cake mm. that's falling apart. And so I think there is a there's something there that we really need to really think about, which is physical health, getting our mindset right, really working on our mindset, gratitude, you know, really positive self-talk. Every time I have a negative thought about myself, I question it. Whose thought is that? Come on. That's not. Mm. Is that helpful? Right? And if it's not helpful and it's not mine, I don't want it. Um, but I think there is that thing. And so I, I really think, but even um, even just going for a, like a fast walk, right? Mm, change your like, energy, literally. Change your energy. Like yep. just if you just raise your blood flow and your heart rate for 10 minutes and then you start thinking about a challenge or a problem, it's like mm. already elevated. So let's use our body. That will create curiosity and sort of excitement about the day that you're in or the moment you're in, out of that you can take action. And out of that action you're going to get feedback and feedback actually gives us a lot of confidence, right? Mm. Because it's like it starts to become known. So if I go skiing and like I tried cross-country skiing the other day, falling down, you know, it's like complete, like it was me and gravity and gravity won, right? (laughs) I know the feeling was me a few years ago. And that's okay. But the thing is, now I know, like, every time I stand up, I know more. Mm. And, it's, and it's less of a kind of thing that's out there somewhere as an imagined thing. Mm. And, for, and, I, and this is why I really encourage people to, um, 
do things like internships or get yourself around people who are already doing it. I'll tell you a funny story, if you don't mind me kind of taking over your podcast completely. That's what you're here for. Go for it. I love many, funny many stories. Many, many years ago, I was, uh, I was a young drummer and I was, you know, wanted to be a professional drummer. And I saw this amazing studio drummer named Mark Meyer playing in a pub in Sydney. And um, he was like a guy who was playing a lot of hit records for Dragon and, you know, um, moving pictures and all these bands that were big at the time. And I went up to him and I said, you know, do you teach? And he goes, I don't teach. And I said, okay. And then I'm about 21, okay. I'm pretty young, you know, 20, 21. And I said, if you did teach, how much would you charge? And he said, oh, well, I'd, I'd have to charge $30 a lesson, which back, back then was a lot of money. And so I said, okay, thanks for letting me know. And I went across the road and I took $300 out of the cash machine. I walked back in I walked up to him and said, here's 10 lessons in advance. Here's my phone number. You call me whenever you have, it, have, it, have time. And if that's in like two years, that's okay. But here's 10 lessons in advance. And he's like, wow, you're really serious. I ended up becoming his like drum roadie, his drum technician. <laughs> and so, you know, I got my 10 less lessons and then I started setting up his drums at gigs. So I was, I was in the studios with the top producers around all the top session musicians, you know, going out to venues and setting up for big live events. So as a young drummer, I was putting myself in all of these situations to experience the reality of it. So when I got my first tour at 23 for a singer-songwriter opening for Hunters and Collectors and the curtain went up and there was 2,000 people in the audience, I already knew what those spaces felt like. Mm. And instead of that curtain going up and me thinking, oh, my God, I better be good, my thought was I was born to do this. Yeah, like, this oh, is, brilliant. Love it. Right? This is like this is exactly what should be happening right now. So you can put also put yourself in environments to know what they are and that will give you a lot of confidence as well. Mm. And, you know, I just had a young lady calling me and said, please let me intern for you. I want to do what you do. Please let me intern for you. I really want to know what you actually do, how you do it, you know. And so that that's, you know, another way for you to get, get confidence, you know. Spend your time and get, and get that experience mm. by paying for it with time. It's like the Robert Green book, uh, Mastery, and understanding that to to get better at things and to get to that mastery, we have to go back to like an apprentice-type position in all different areas. So like that lady reaching out to you, like you doing the, the drum tuning before you became drumming on the stage. I've done it. I've spent tens of thousands of dollars and traveled the world to be with world's best coaches and absolutely. investing in different programs. And uh, yeah, yeah it, it, absolutely. It's a, it's a no-brainer. Where yeah. did you get the confidence from at 2021 to walk across and take the money before? before <laughs> uh, um, where did he, I get the confidence? Well. Or was it not yeah. confidence? Was it actually more just uh, that just that real desire, like this lady ringing you just recently to say, I want to learn everything from you? Was it just that whole thing of, I know I want to be a drummer. Why not learn from the best? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I'm, you know, I'm the kind of person when I want to do something, I get very obsessed with it, right? So back then, you know, I was reading all the drumming magazines. I was like two of them or one of them back then. <laughs> it, this is way before YouTube or social media or anything like that, or even even the internet really, on a on a on a big scale. Mm. But it was it was really I had this thing that you know I, I knew I had to hustle, and I knew that I had to, uh, you know, I'd always 
been a person who looked for idols and mentors in mm. specific fields and role modeled them. And so early on, like when I was, before I was a drummer, I was a BMX kid, right? And so I was role modeling all the BMX heroes that I had, you know, like, you know, at, at 12, 13, I was reading the magazines. What did they say? How did they get sponsors? You know, and then I went out and got sponsors, you know, at 13, 14 years old. But I was just role modeling all the time. And by role modeling people, you can act as if you know how to do it, mm. right? Which is another really powerful frame to work in, which is the as if framework. As you know, if you're act, already there, as if, as you're, if you're already, already professional. It. Yep. What would I say? What would I do? Mm. You Don't know, wait till you get there. Sometimes I put my coaching clients in into state, and I I do this uh, exercise I call the two chairs. And I sit sit them in one chair, and you know, I just it involves a little bit of hypnotic language, so I won't do it now, just in case someone's riding a bicycle or driving. I don't want them to crash, but I'll sit them <laughs> in one chair, and I'll and I'll and I'll say, "This is you, you know, as a you know person who's already achieved it. You're 80 years old. You've achieved it all. You've got all the wisdom, you know." And then I have that version of them. And then I ask that, per, you know, that person downloads all this information from their subconscious. And then I have them stand up and sit in the other chair and they're looking back at the empty chair and I said, now imagine the 80-year-old version of you now telling you everything that they need to tell you to be successful. What do they say? And the, the person, and then I ask them to say it out loud so I can write it down, you know, and the most amazing things come out. Mm. So in our subconscious mind, there is all these resources we can access you know, human human mind, human brain is incredible, right? It's the greatest adaptation machine that's ever existed. Mm. You know, we can we can go into the future and download information from somewhere that we have no idea how it works and come back and tell ourselves the answer. Like, how do we do that? I mean, it's, I have no idea how it works, but it does work. Mm. Yeah. And this is uh, one of the... One of the things that I, I think I'd love people to really take away is that um, you have so much information and resources inside of you and the, the role of a good coach is to help bring that information out. And someone asked me the other day, you know, what does a coach really do? And I said, they hold the ladder. You know, when mm. you're climbing up and it's getting really high, it's like, would you mind holding the ladder? Because mm. it's getting quite scary. And it's like pretty much we just hold the ladder and we say, yeah, now put your left foot up on the next one yeah, or whatever it is, right? And it's just like little steps, but it's like helping people to get higher and higher in their personal and professional lives. And everybody needs someone to hold the ladder sometimes, right? We all do, right, at different yeah. phases of our life. It never ends, right? Through. Yeah. Yeah. With little slight tangent, but with the confidence thing, I'm – I'm generally quite confident in many different areas, but I also yeah. understand life from kind of this lens and this perspective that you're talking about. There's obviously been a lot of times in my life where I haven't been confident, but I've just mm-hmm. kind of stepped into it with those approaches like what we have. For example, I was you three years ago, three seasons ago on the skis. I felt like I was trying to walk again, falling over. Yeah. There's four-year-old yeah. scheme way better than me beside me. There's 85-year-old scheme beside me, and I just felt – like I was fuming sometimes. Yeah, I yeah. just persevere, persevere. But there's a lot of different things in the professional aspects as well where I've moved through that. But confidence 
is not one of my core values. And right. I don't list it as a core value. However, I know it's highly valuable. And I look at so sort of switching to values here. And I, you know, my number one core value is my health, my physical, mental, and emotional right. health and well-being. Right. Same. Next core value is uh, quality time, uh, quality relationships, first with my wife and then with my children. And <laughs> you know, and then after that, I uh, it, it's a tie then after that between things like um, optimism, travel and adventure, gratitude, all of these different things that I don't feel like I really need to list, but I kind of just live that way and I have different things and my values there. But in terms of values, and I know that you do a lot of work with company culture and company values, but also yeah. with the individual leaders themselves. Yeah. Um, actually, when you say same, same, I can see that and through the conversations that we've had off air a couple of times mm. as well, I can see because my wife and I are very uh, proud that we've designed our lives in alignment with our values. And yeah, I can see right. and hear through yeah. your uh, and our chats that you and your wife are the same. And yeah. So it's it's beautiful to kind of share share the space with you in that way, knowing that. But yeah. for everyone listening and the work that you do, talk to me more about the importance of the values of being kind of this guiding principle, or yeah. uh, as you say, the the kind of the internal software that that needs to be focused on. Yeah, really good. Well, just to clarify, I don't I don't think confidence is a value. I think mm. it's a state, right? Meaning it's it's something that you can experience in your body. And in your psychology, but it's not actually a value. It's more of an, as yeah, such, a state or an asset. Right? Yep. Um, and but but for me, I, you know, one of the things is you know, if you look up what uh, values are in the in the dictionary, you know, mm-hmm. I always say I always go back to the dictionary because it's actually very helpful uh, to to you know really um, help clarify what we're talking about. And it says principles or standards of behaviour one's own judgment of what's important in life, mm-hmm. right? So principles and standards of behaviour, one's own judgment of what's important in life. And one of the things that I'm working with companies all the time is they say, these are our company values. And then I say, yeah, but you realise those three words mean completely different things to every single person in the building. And so I'll sit down and I uh, did this great <laughs> exercise. I remember working when I was working with Ericsson and one of their values is professional, uh-huh. I believe, from memory. It was three years ago, but from memory, one of their values is professional. And so I asked everybody, please write down what the word professional means. Like, what does it actually mean? <laughs> and I had one lady say, it was so great, one lady sitting in the front row, and I said, could you please share? And she goes, professional means you let everybody in the room have their voice and exp- express their emotions. And I said, thank you very much. Thanks for sharing. And I said to the gentleman next to her, what's yours? And, you know, he's an engineer, right? He's like a super engineer, 55-year-old man, works on some technical thing all day long. And he goes, when you go to meetings, you only have fact-based discussions. No emotion, no bullshit, right? It's like if it's not a fact, don't bring it up. Right. And so there's two people sitting side by side. Mm. If those people are in a team, how much conflict's going to come up? Mm. So one of the things that I'm always doing inside organizations is helping them, helping the people in the organization personalize the values to them so they can give those values back to the company in a way that will really serve the company and the whole community of people inside of it. Mm. But, you know, you were talking about your values. And I think one of the things that, that really is one of the most important things you can do for your 
personal and professional development is work out what your three highest values are. So mine are, my three are growth, kindness, and honor, mm. right? So growth, me growing, is such a huge driver for me that, like, I mean, at the end of last year, I got to this point, and I told you on a phone call, I got to the end, like, end of a chapter of my business. It's like I've done this now. I prove that I can do it. I've fed my family and myself for a number of years doing this. What's next, right? What's next, yeah. And so now I'm really into this new phase and getting excited about what's coming for the next phase of next 10 years of my business. But it was really like, you know, I'm driven by growth. So that really affects the kinds of decisions I make, right? So if I'm a growth junkie and it's my highest value is growing, and I meet a woman in Sydney and she says to me, why don't you come and live to me in sweet, with me in Sweden? And I'm 41 years old and I'm like, yeah, why don't I get rid of my apartment and sell my business and, and like go to another <laughs> country where I know nobody except you and your parents and start all over again, right? It's like a once <laughs> in a lifetime midlife growth lottery win. <laughs> but for somebody else who had a different set of values, that would have been terrifying. For me, mm. it was an amazing adventure, an opportunity for somebody else. Now, when I ask audiences, look at your highest value, and I want you to think about three turning point moments in your life that you've had when you, when you finished a relationship or moved country or like three really big points in your life, how did your values inform that decision and then people are sitting there going oh wow oh wow like i now understand why i left my marriage 15 years ago mm. i didn't get it like i like people are having these light bulb moments all over the room right because suddenly they understand their own decision making software that has been working under the surface unconsciously and suddenly that when they know their values they can actually understand why they do what they do Mm. And for me, this is absolutely critical. And it's one of the first things I love to do with coaching clients. Go through a process. Let's, let's find out what your three highest values are. What's driving you? What makes you do what you do? And especially when people's lives aren't going well, it is one of the, one of the best tools that you can have to help them understand why they've decided what they've decided and how they've ended up where they've ended up and why it feels so bad. So are you saying you can reverse engineer it to say if they're not aware of what their values are, think about the big decisions and then it sort of highlights what their values might be based around that? No, it's more, it's more a case of let's find out what your values are. Okay. And now go back and look at your decisions. Yeah, okay. Right. And if you know, okay, growth's my highest value. Yeah, that's why I didn't stay with that girl who didn't want to grow. Mm. I loved her. But, you know, her idea of growing was like, changing channels on the TV set, mm -hmm. right? That was like a big change for her. Mm -hmm. Channel 7 to Channel know. 9 was pretty much the only growth she wanted to do. And I wanted to conquer the world, right? So you, you can go back and look at your history and see how your values have been driving decisions all through your personal history and professional history. And once you, once you get your head around that, you can now make better decisions. So. About a year ago, I got a job offer uh, from a company. It's like, would you like to come and work with us? We think you'd be really great with us. 
And I looked at the, I just thought about it for like 10 seconds, 12 seconds. And I was just like, no, there's not enough growth. Mm. It's going to be six to eight months of growth. I'll get into the role and then it's just going to be repetition. And I'll be back on a hamster wheel that I, you know, spent many years getting off. Mm -hmm. But of course, the ego wants to take the job. Right. The mm. ego is like good money, prestige. They want you. You should do it. Security. Yeah. Um, but because I know my values, I can also say no to that. Now, my, mm -hmm. my other highest, my, my highest, now there's values, but there's also priorities. Okay. So you talked about your health and your family. And I actually think they're your priorities. I'm not sure they're your values. I think they, and I'm, we could, you know, explore this in another time, but. I actually think they're your priorities. I think your values are probably quite something quite different that's driving you. And I'd be really curious to, to know what you think, you know, if I ask you what are the th three highest values that you have as, as, a, as, a, as a person, like what is the things that, that it, you know, you would want people to say about you, you know, when you're gone? What do you want to be remembered for? Yeah, well, impact is, I, I put that on the same page as growth for you. Yeah. So for impact for me means that I have to personally and professionally grow, but impact is the work that I do to, to impact other people's yeah. lives. So it's, yeah. it's definitely- I want to make a difference, right? Yeah, want to make a difference. Huge driver, mm. right? And so, and like, let's just say for, for argument's sake, um, this is not an official coaching session. I'll bring it on. Like we <laughs> yeah, said, I'm here yeah. to be coached. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but like, you know, like I really resonated with what you said, but I think they're your priorities. That my priorities are my health, my family, and what was the third one? I think it was uh, that, like. That was where it sort of comes in, in alignment with like travel and adventure. Let's do that. Travel and adventure, right? Mm. They're your priorities. Like mm. these are our priorities, but what's driving, what's actually driving me? is my values, which is impact. And I, I think there's so you, you pro, you've, got, you've probably got something there around, I don't know, that impact. There's, there's something in you around helping or kindness or something like that. I don't know what it is. We'd have to dig, dig into it. But even if you just take your top decision, impact, your, sorry, your top value, yeah, of impact, if I gave you... All of the things on your priority list, but you weren't making an impact, would you be happy? No, 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 and I've, right? No. And that's how you know it's a value, mm. right? It's the because same with you, growth, as you were talking about growth on, yeah. in my mind. Yep, yep, yep. I yeah. resonate with everything you're saying, right? Like, so, you know, let's say your top one is like impact, and maybe your second one is growth, or maybe I have a feeling growth is really maybe the top one yeah. because it, it enables the impact. But when you start to un like unpack and understand this, then it gets really like, oh, wow. Okay, so the priorities are there, but they will not be fulfilling me if my values are not met. Mm. And this is why you meet so many people who are successful and unhappy because they were really focused on their priorities, but because they didn't know what their values were, they built a whole list of priorities or things that ended up feeling quite empty. Right. And you see it all the time. Like, I mean, Jim Carrey's got the best quote of all, right? Which is, uh, I wish everyone could be rich and famous mm. so they could see it's not the answer. Mm. Yeah. 
Have you seen Jim and Andy on Netflix? Oh, mate, that I've watched it a it's couple of times. Everyone Jim should and watch Andy. Jim and Andy yep. on Netflix. It's it's one of the most amazing things that you could ever watch that will teach you about the mind, mm. cognitive psychology, all told in this amazing story of someone who, yeah, I won't, I won't, I won't spoil it, but I just recommend everyone do it. Jim and but, Andy. You know, Jim yeah. Carrey ended up at a point where he was the biggest star in the world. He got everything he wanted and he was deeply confused and deeply unhappy, right? And this is really, really common. But what Jim Carrey did was he actually started to, and he doesn't say this out loud, but I, what he actually did was he actually started to think about what was important to him, what made his life valuable. And this guy, I mean, there's videos of him talking to homeless people and he's at a homeless shelter and talking to people. This is a guy whose highest value is connection, encouragement. Mm. Yeah. It's like when he is in his natural state, when he's just being himself and he's done a great job of sort of dismantling Jim Carrey as a movie star and and then going back and 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 recreating Jim Carrey as this, yes, I'm an actor, but I'm that's not who I am. I'm Jim Carrey and Jim Carrey acts. Mm. Yeah, it's not mm. not the same thing. Yep. And so he dismantled the whole movie star thing and became a person that he was proud of. Yeah. And the thing that he's proud of, and the reason I know that it's his highest value of like connecting with people and being what I call an encourager or a someone who delivers happiness and support to others is the thing that he's most proud of in his career is how much happiness those films brought to people. Mm. Mm. Right? It's amazing. So, you know, for you, I would say what I'd love you to do is some homework is to really sit down and think about, okay, if these are my priorities, what do I need to fulfill to make sure those priorities have meaning? Because if I did get all of this but I don't make an impact, then I'm not going to be happy. Yeah, and... Uh... I'm just writing down values slash priorities. Can you just repeat to me the second part? Yeah. So back to dictionary meaning of values. Yeah. For the what's the second part of the dictionary meaning? Yeah. Ones. Uh, I'll I'll just try and remember it again. Um, just downloading it. You know, I haven't had a coffee this afternoon. <laughs> um, uh, principles and standards of behaviour. One's own judgment of what's important in life. So that's the second part, one's own judgment of what's important in life. And I think that's where my confusion comes in, one's own judgment of what's important in life and that distinction between the priorities and and the values Mm -hmm. and looking at Demartini's work as well and when going through the the e-version of that and coming out with – so it it essentially looks at where you prioritise a lot of your time and what you're valuing and that's where Mm – these priorities and what I've got confused with over time because I've also done acceptance and commitment therapy work and the way that they do value sort of goes um, a little bit differently as well. So yeah. is there a right or wrong with values or is it through your experience of what you're kind of identifying now? Because as you say that, I think, yep, I get exactly where he's coming from, but it also raises confusion based on my experience of the value setting processes that I've done. Okay. So this is how I think about it, which is values are basically hardwired into you, 
from your, you know, from your childhood, your upbringing, your environment, your karma. I'm not sure. It's a combination of many things. Mm-hmm. But nature and nurture working together, and you come out into the adult world with values, right? Now, the difference for me between values and priorities is what I've observed in people is their values change almost not at all. The values are very set, but priorities can change a lot. So, you know, 10 years ago, I didn't, sorry, 12 years ago, I didn't have a wife and 10 years ago, I didn't have any kids. Mm -hmm. So family wasn't really on my priority list, right? But now it's health, wife, children. So two-thirds of my priority list has adapted. But if Mm. I was single, I would have a different priority list than I do now. Mm -hmm. And it might be something like health, wealth, parents. It could be something like that if I was single. So what I have really noticed in my work, and I'm in my 25th year of coaching um, this year, it's, uh, it's that values are very fixed and they don't change over time. They almost, almost never change unless something extremely devastating or something really like incredibly impactful happens, like someone survives a plane crash or something like that. That can be like a real shift. But for most people, the values don't change. And when they ask them to go back and do some archaeology on their past decision-making, they can really see, oh, no, this has been driving me since I was like 17, like, you know, 15, like mm. I can go right back, uh, even younger sometimes, right? But priorities are very flexible. And that, those priorities will change and should change because- can, they, can the values change apart from that big impact? Like can you choose that oh, I, I, I haven't been, I don't know, is integrity a value in your mind? Absolutely. That, so can you choose if you've been, if you haven't been, if you've been out of integrity, for example, and you get to a point in life and think, I want to be, I want that to be a value. If I, can I list that as a value and then design my life and change that? You can be intentional about it. But what I would say is if somebody had, somebody who's, having that insight in my experience generally has had that as part of their life but has not had that as part of their behavior so, so that mm, yeah so it could be an internal value but they've got to change their behaviors yes to, to match back in the value with it. and usually when people's lives are in chaos it's like when they're making lots of decisions that are really far away from their values mm. and nothing feels good nothing feels like it's coming together Now, I'm not saying I'm right about all of this, okay? So, and I, I, you know, I always tell my audience, everything I tell you today could be completely wrong. I'm just a weird Australian guy (laughs) standing at the front of the room and they've given me the microphone, so I'm going to tell you what I think. But what I ask people to do is test, right? Mm. So when I ask you, like, you know, what are your values? You know, immediately you say impact and that's not on your priority list. Mm. So immediately we see there's there's two lists here, right? Mm. Like there's some separation or there's some kind of uh, structure to this that's not maybe what you thought it was. And my experience of working with hundreds and hundreds of people is to just, you know, this has been repeated over and over and over again. 
And one of the great things is if you do get in touch with your values and, you know, can list them out and know what they are, now you can make decisions that are in line with them and you can look at your priority list and see if it's one that actually serves you. Yeah. Mm. And your priority list, like I said, that's highly adaptable. You know, there'll be a time in my life where, um, I mean, God forbid, but maybe I'm divorced and then my wife's not on the list, right? I mean, God forbid. I mean, why would she leave? There's no reason. <laughs> she would never leave, right? She wouldn't leave an Aussie bloke. Like obviously, there's going to be a change in priority mm. uh, in my priority list, but my values are still going to be growth, kindness, and honour. Right, that's not gonna that's not gonna change, mm. and I'm gonna find a way to live my new version of my bachelor life, mid you know late life mm. bachelor life. I'm gonna find a way to do that, uh, you know, and find a, a life that matches those values. What mm. does honor mean to you as a value? Honor, uh, it's all around keeping my word. There's nothing okay. that makes me feel more like a pile of garbage than not keeping my word. Mm-hmm. But if you know, and this is been one of the things that's allowed me to be quite successful because if I say I'm going to do something, uh, I will do everything I can to do it. And when I don't feel good about my business, it's when I'm not being honourable. It's like mm. when I, I'll send you that today, but I send it in the morning the next day. Like, mm. And there's small things, you know, like, like I did a presentation for a client the other day about what I was going to do inside their company and I worked all night getting it done. Like I stayed up all night. It was just like, it's not good enough. I have to do it better. And, but for me, it was like that client has, that client has put their trust in me. Right. Mm-hmm. And even though I could give them something that I don't think is good enough and try and wing it, it's like, it's such a value clash for me that I just can't do it. Right. Mm. So I ended up staying up all night. I think I slept for like 60 minutes maximum, getting up, having a shower, trying to get a few more minutes in before the presentation, gave the presentation and they're like, that was fantastic. We're so excited. This is going to be amazing. And for me, that's worth the not sleeping. Right. Because I'm in line with my values. I know I did the best that I could do and it still wasn't where I wanted it to be. But given the time frame I had and everything else, that was the best that was possible in that moment. But I know that I did, I, I gave them, you know, I, I didn't break their trust. Mm. And that for me is like the most important thing that's enabled me to build a business and have 80% of my business be repeat customers, mm-hmm. you know. Like so that, That's uh, one of the, the, you know, the book, The Four Agreements. Yeah. Yeah. So be impeccable with your word. Absolutely. It's, it's, yeah. uh, I have the audio book on my phone. Mm. And uh, I think the audio book read by Peter Coyote. Have you heard that? Yep. I've listened to it a yep. couple of times. Yeah. I've probably listened to that, you know, 200 times yeah. over the last 20 years. I just put it on while I go jogging and remind myself. Yep. Now, there's something in that book which I think is really powerful here. And we can relate it back to, um, to the values and it's like it talks about the judge in your mind that you know that if you're not impeccable with your word if you don't do your very best because there's this whole section on do your best yeah which i think is just some of the most incredible stuff ever written Mm. right 
And it talks about when you don't do your best, then the judge has all of this stuff to work with to beat you up. Mm. The voice in your head says, oh, Malcolm, you did it again. You waited too long and now you're... Now you've done half a presentation, you're going to pretend it's a full one. It's like, you know, all this self-talk. But, you know, part of that thing I have with honour is, you know, the way, one of the ways that I use that value very powerfully in my life is that I'm going to do my very best for my clients. I don't have big clients. I don't have small clients. I don't have a 20,000 krona, like, talk and a 50,000 krona talk. If you hire me you're going to get 100% effort. I don't, you know, mm, I have that mentality. Regardless, but, yep. You know, if it's Ericsson who hires me or a company with six people, they're going to get 100% effort and mm. the very best that I can give because that's what makes me feel amazing and proud. Yep. Mm. And I know that that reputation spreads out. And if I can do that consistently, that will become my brand. Mm. Yeah. And who doesn't want to be known for having integrity and being trustable, mm. right? Even just in your life. But if you can put that into the marketplace, yeah, then, yeah. then you know. Well, that's it would be completely out of alignment, like you said, regardless of whether you're doing, I don't know, a presentation to the janitor or a presentation to the biggest company yeah. that has ever approached you. If you went in there and didn't give it, didn't do your best and didn't give it your all and only half prepared for it, it doesn't matter yeah. who it's to, you're, you're going to be out of alignment. You're going to feel it. You're going to know it and there'll be a ripple effect in some sort of way. Yeah. And two weeks ago, you know, I often do um, talks and seminars at Hyper Island School in Stockholm for the, the students there, you know, studying digital marketing and digital transformation and things. And I have a workshop that I do there called Hustle and Serve. And it's kind of a mix of business fundamentals, leadership and how to pitch. It's sort of a pizza with everything. But it was like two weeks ago and I was really snowed under with work. And, it's, you know, I don't, I don't charge them very much. I charge them like 10% of my normal fee to teach at that school. But I, I just, I love teaching. So I just, you know, take it. And it's usually on a Sunday afternoon. So, you know, whatever. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, and I was the day before, I was like, oh, why did I say yes to this? You know, I'm talking to myself about it and I've got to get it prepared. And it's like, and I was like, no, I've got to do this great, you know. And so there's people flying in from different countries. There's people from Germany, Amsterdam, you know, Iceland. They're all flying into Stockholm to have this amazing weekend, this campus weekend, and I'm like half of, I'm a quarter of that weekend, mm. right? Uh, I'm 25% of their experience. So, you know, I went and I bought notebooks and candy and printed out the worksheets and I did this and I wrote, every, I've got real, I'm really good at uh, lettering. It's like a, one of my hobbies is lettering and calligraphy. So I wrote everyone's name beautifully with a brush pen on a notebook and so when they came in, they sat down, there was like a notebook with their name on it, there was music playing, there was candy on the desk. I, you know, set the room up differently how they were expecting it and, you know, did my talk, you know, made almost no money for it, but, you know, had a great time, felt amazing about it. And, you know, a lady sends me a message like on LinkedIn two days later, thank you for a super inspiring session and probably the best prepared workshop I've ever attended, mm -hmm. right? And so for me, like that is like you get yourself into a feedback loop like that. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, that person, I've, and I always tell my, you know, tell, tell the students, you know, your reputation creates expectation. Mm. If you go out and you deliver great once, 
and they hire you again, they're going to expect that again. Yep. And so, I, you know, I, that, that reputation I get creates expectation in the marketplace. Oh, we heard you're amazing. Um, can you come and do something for us? Well, they already think I'm amazing because they've had a referral, right? So now I've got to keep that standard. And so it becomes like a self-fulfilling prophecy in a way. But all of that is just to say I'm working in a way that's really aligned with my values. Mm. And the and because it's aligned with my values of growth and honor, yeah, I can deliver it over and over again. Yeah. And it feels good. Because mm. I'm not going against myself. It's I'm in complete kind of alignment with myself. Yeah. Yeah. That uh, makes complete sense. So for everyone listening then who might be I don't know, like a tradie or uh, a minor or a stay-at-home mum or something like that. What? Why is it important then for if we've already kind of, we know we're in a career or we're just kind of, you know, moving through life at this stage, would identifying our values be an impactful change? Like would it, would it help us, I don't know, would it change our trajectory? What would be the benefit of that for those kind of people? Yeah, I mean... I don't think that this is like a profession specific and it's quite interesting to me because, you know, I started my working life in factories. I was a blue collar worker, you know, for, for many years. And uh, while well, I was, you know, working in factories during the day and then playing some drums at night in clubs and stuff, trying to be a, learning how to be a pro muso. But, you know, one of the things that I, I, there seems to be this idea, this separation that, well, if you're just a plumber, you don't need to think about these things. Well, mm. If you're a plumber, you still have a life, right? <laughs> you still want to feel good. You still want to live your life in a way that um, makes sense to you. But also you want to make decisions in your life that don't make you feel like garbage. And one of the things that you can really feel is if you make decisions that go against your values, your life gets sideways really, really fast, you know. And like a really simple thing could just be like one of my values is honour right? So let's say I'm a, I'm a tradie, I'm a plumber, and I do a job at someone's house. And um, I say I'm going to replace a pipe and do all this work. And when they come back, I didn't have to replace the pipe. But I could tell them I'm going to replace the pipe and charge mm. them for that. Yeah, and they won't know because I've already covered it up. Mm. Right? And so even these small decisions that you make on a daily basis, you know, it's all feeding into your sense of self and your sense of self-worth. But how good is it to feel, I've got great news, I didn't need to replace the pipe, it's $200 cheaper than I thought, than I quoted you. Yeah, loss for me, gain for you. Here's my card. Who's that person going to give you? How many people yeah. are they going to recommend, right? But but I was going to just sort of another example. It slips out of my mind now, but, but you know, I forgot it. It skipped my mind. But, but I just really think that if we can understand what makes us feel good about ourselves and help what, what drives our decision-making, we'll make better quality decisions. And then you can create that priority list, list like you have so you know what's important in your life. Mm. So you know what's important in you and you know what's important in your behaviours and how you allocate time. You have your priorities. Now, my priorities are my health, my wife and my children, right? And there's no job opportunity or career opportunity that would make me sacrifice any of those priorities. 
because no matter how much it pays or how good it is for my professional ego, if I do anything to go against those three priorities, my life's not going to work. Well, and that's the way I've explained things in the past that I've said no to some really great job opportunities as well based on the conflict of what I was calling my values, but it's obviously my priorities there based mm. on amazing opportunities, but it would be a lot of travel and time away from the family and yeah. that that's a massive, it just becomes, it's not a hell yeah to no. And yeah. so, but it might have now realizing like growth and impact being high values, it would have actually aligned with those values, but yeah. conflicted with my priorities. Right. Right, and this is where we need to get this balance now Mm. because those opportunities would have been amazing opportunities for you before you met your wife and your kids, right? Well, that was kind of the work that I had, travelling the world with Paralympic teams and loving it and and actually doing all of that and then the opportunity Uh, came up. But your priorities change and then you need other kinds of opportunities Mm. and this is is why you need to have the two lists, yeah? So it's Mm. like I know what's driving me but I've got to now find another way to make impact which allows me to be with my kids as well which is why the way i've completely redesigned my business in the last 18 months (laughs) yeah amazing right uh and this is the opportunity that's available to us now we talked and i just you know i think it's good time to sort of start closing the circle in this conversation just in terms for the for the listeners not to overload them so when we talk about confidence right let's go back to confidence where we started and if you know who you are as a person, what your values are, and you make decisions out of that, you'll feel good about yourself. You will have self-esteem. Mm. You will give yourself the gift of self-esteem, not others' esteem, self-esteem. That you know, and then if you have a list of priorities that you're like you have, uh, you know, as I said, mine is health, wife, children in that order. If I do those things, then 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 my life will work. Mm. Now, if you feel good about yourself and the rest of your life's working, like you have a functional life, you have good relationships and friendships, and you've taken all that chaos out of your life you had in your early 20s or your teenage years where yep. you were trying everything and creating little chaoses everywhere. Remember those years? <laughs> oh, yeah. Clearly. Yeah. It's like, oh, I don't have any money this week. And then the week after, it's like, oh, I love that girl, but I also love another one. Like all that <laughs> stuff that you went through. But if you feel good about yourself because you've got self-esteem and you have a clear set of priorities that let you know how to behave and make decisions about what's important to you, like in this phase of your life, how much more confident would you be about trying things, about, Mm. about being able to like calculate risk or how to know what to say yes and no to? Yeah. Right in a world full of options. Yep, that's the. You know, I remember when I got married. One of the best things was it was like it took away so many options in my (laughs) life. Right, and when I became a dad, it was even better because I had less options. (laughs) Why is that good? Because now I'm not thinking about should I spend next year trekking in Peru. Yeah, that's off the list. Right, there's a whole lot of things that are suddenly off the list, and that having that framework. You can put all of your energy into it. You can create something really amazing. Mm. And so I think that, you know, the values part and the priorities part, we could really use that as, you know, creating this what I call a circle of confidence, right? I've got my past experience. Everything I've tried, I've survived, Mm -hmm. right? 
I have a 100% survival rate on every single thing I've ever tried. I know who I am. I know what's important to me. And then you can make some great decisions out of that. And that circles back to, which could be a whole other conversation on itself with the not only surviving, but it's that whole thing about the nothing has meaning until you give it meaning. And those past experiences that we've often survived, we give it a meaning that, uh, well, maybe we only just survived, but it means that I'm still like, I am a failure because I had a failed relationship or things like that. So it's that whole um, awareness of what is the meaning that you're giving to that survival. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say 50% of my coaching is reframing past experiences yep, into something better. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like uh, I had a business that went bankrupt. Just like, congratulations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, you survived it. You got all that wisdom. You don't have to make that mistake again. Um, but also I, I think that um, I think that a, a lot of times when I ask people, did you really fail, you know, and it's like, well, the, the business only lasted three years. And I said, well, that's that's actually that's actually a pretty amazing thing that you created. Like you came up with an idea in your head out of nowhere and then you manifested it in the world and you managed to keep that idea that you had in your head in the world for three years and make money at it or do whatever it was. And so often people haven't even stopped to like admire their own achievement Mm. like you were brave enough you did it you raised capital you learned how to get a loan from a bank and you did this and you did that and a you know and the global financial crisis came and you lost your business in Mm. that thing but and and that's you know i'm I'm sorry about that but let's not let's not just throw the baby out with the bathwater. there was a hell of a lot of learning experience what were the good times yeah. What was the best part, you know, and just not just labeling it with one emotion because it wasn't that. But that was the yeah. meaning that they gave to it. There's, there's also this uh, thing called peak end theory. Have you heard of this? Um, explain it. Maybe I've heard of it, but don't yeah. know that is the name. Yeah, of it. it's, um, it's it's basically says that you know our 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 memories only remember the highest and lowest points of any experience. We, it's like the, the the best and the worst. So you remember falling in love with the girl and you remember breaking up with the girl. <laughs> what you don't remember is going shopping with her on a Wednesday night, gotcha. right, you know, in in, mm. in, in Woolworth supermarket. I was talking, should we get white bread or brown bread? <laughs> so that we, actually, uh, we actually edit out the whole middle out of all of our experiences uh, and then we, we just code it off the highest and lowest points. Mm. And so one of the things that, that I try and do is I'm, I'm, a, I'm in my second marriage, and so sometimes I think about my ex-wife and, you know, I start to get angry. I think, well, what, she could have done this, I did that. And I said, no, just remember something really simple like buying a, I don't know, buying a birthday cake or I just try and remember some middle experience when it was like you know, there was like five years of like, normal good Mm. between the extreme happy and the extreme unhappy but just like go to the middle and it's like and and i think there's something almost like buddhist about that as well which is like can you accept that all of these things can coexist Mm. right it's like think like two things can be true at the same time Mm. my buddhist teacher tells me you know Mm. and like you're you're kind of the the people who get really smart 
are willing to admit that there's, you know, there can be more than one truth to something. And so it was true that they're a wonderful person. It's also true that they were um, whatever, right? They were selfish, right? And like having that kind of framework as well. But you can you can easily put that that template onto an experience. Yes, it was devastating that it finished, but it was also incredibly exciting at the beginning. And it was incredible in, in the middle, like feelings of pride mm. when people were coming into my cake shop and buying my cakes and telling me that the, like my cake was so good and it made my son cry or whatever. Like there was a whole range of experiences and take them all in. Take them all in, yeah. yeah. No, it makes complete sense. Yeah. Speaking of range of experiences and taking it all in, I, there was other areas that I was going to dive into with you, but I'm very mindful of time and uh, I think we're going to have to get you on on the show again. We're going to talk about, um, I was going to ask you about the the sharing value and the way you do it with people with their going through their three professional stories. And I also uh, would love to talk to you about the self-leadership aspects too that I think is, is vitally important. So we're definitely uh, going to have to get you back on, mate, because- have no doubt that you're getting prepared for the the walk home and the beautiful spring sunshine there in Stockholm. And uh, I know your time is very valuable. So as we wrap up, I would just love to to ask where can the listeners and I learn more about you? So social media or website or where's yep, the best you place? can find me on Instagram uh, at Brave Coach. Yeah, you can find my website, bravepd.com, PD mm-hmm. for personal development. Um, that's pretty much the places I'm most active. I'm on LinkedIn. If anyone mm-hmm. wants to connect with me on LinkedIn, please drop me a message, say hello. Um, I'm not on Twitter. I think it's uh, the worst thing that ever happened, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> I'm not uh, on Twitter a, either. A, pl- a platform designed for, for um, miscommunication. <laughs> um, uh, and, you know, Facebook's kind of slowly but surely dying as a, as a platform. Fair <laughs> enough. Focus keep, on I what's keep working that one for pretty you. much for like pictures of the kids and sure. Yep. So we've got uh, LinkedIn and the thebravecoach.com and at Brave Coach on Instagram. Why Brave yep. Coach? Oh well, I mean, anyone who's tried to name a business quickly understands that the two or three ideas that you had for a business name are Already taken. Already taken. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was just doing a, a branding a set of branding workshops for a cybersecurity company, and I was reading a book about company names in preparation for that. And apparently, like the 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 dot com for any word in the dictionary, like every single word in the dictionary has been registered as a dot com since mm-hmm. like two thousand and six or something like that. Wow. So this is why you see company names with strange spellings and all these things. Yeah. Uh, but basically, I had like a whole bunch of ideas for company names, and then I had to keep looking and looking, and I came up with uh, Brave Personal Development. And the reason I decided to keep that name, even though I work in the corporate sector, is because I really, whenever I go into those companies, I feel like I'm doing personal development anyway. I'm working on the people having insights about themselves. Uh, and I think that's the only thing that changes a culture is everybody having an insight about themselves, their behaviour, and what they can contribute. And being so brave to, to take action in alignment with yeah. that's going to lead them to confidence, that's going to yeah. allow them to reframe their stories and everything that, that it leads yeah. into. So that, I was just wondering about the word brave. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's uh, somewhere, you know, on my, on my list of values. It must be there because, you know, that, that, uh, 
that young drummer who walked up to the you know the studio. That's what it was. It was bravery. Yeah, right. Put three hundred dollars in his hand. You know, he was a brave young man, and you know, <laughs> and along the way, you know, I mean, it's it's all about at the end of the day, you have to you have to be brave and try things, and mm. the, the more brave you are, the, the the better your life gets. I think. I was just about to ask, is there anything else you'd like to leave the listeners with? Maybe it's that or is there a favourite quote or something else that you find coming up for you a lot that is a great thing to that you could leave the listeners with? Yeah, well, actually, I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, I'm going to post this later on my, on my socials as well. But, you know, I'm a really big believer in, in kindness, you know, because my dad was a super kind guy and, he, you know, he was always doing kind things for other people and it really... You know, for me, it's the thing that he, the gift that he gave me was the gift of understanding, you know, being being kind and seeing how powerful it is. And on the weekend, I ran into a friend that I hadn't seen for about three years. And, you know, three years ago, his dad died and his mum was really struggling because, you know, it wasn't an old guy. He was like late 50s or like 57 or something. He just dropped with a heart attack. And his mum was having like completely devastated um at the loss and she didn't know how to move forward. And as I said, I've got really nice handwriting because I studied calligraphy and lettering. And I said, I'm going to make something for your mum. And I wrote this quote, which is, you know, what I, if I could put anything on a billboard, it would be this, you know, one day at a time is enough. Mm. And I, and I wrote this one day at a time is enough. That's all, all of any of us have to really worry about. Just have a great day. Just do what you can do today. And uh, I wrote this on a thing for him and I gave it to him and said, please give this to your mum and tell her, like, don't think about the next 30 years, the next 40 years, even the next two years. Just just have a, just get through the day. Have a day that you can live with, that you can cope with, and eventually it'll get better. Anyway, the mum loved this so much. She laminated this sign and put it on a bathroom wall. This is three years ago. Fast forward to the other day, I, I met my friend Gustav and... Uh, and he said, hey, I've got to tell you a story. I said, you know, my mum's best friend's husband died. Mm. And my mum gave her that sign. And, she, you know, the, the sign had been on her bathroom wall for three years and now she's given it to this other lady. And this lady, some, this, some lady I've never met in Sweden, in the middle of Sweden, in Luleå or wherever it is, has a sign on her kitchen wall, you know, one day at a time is enough. And I think that... Um, Kindness is something we should all be focused on, being kind to ourselves, being kind to other people, and don't underestimate how a small act of kindness can help somebody. And we, we kind of think, you know, in the personal development industry, and I'm sure your audience, they kind of think like in like huge quantum leaps, mm. you know, if I could do this, I could be Elon Musk, but, but please don't underestimate the power of one kind gesture sending someone a card sending someone a message on linkedin like i heard you're on sick leave i just wanted to say hope you feel better soon mm. if you want to have like a zoom lunch to alleviate the boredom just drop me a message like anything and i think that these kindnesses we give out you know we can't know where they end right mm. so just like my little sign has traveled from one lady's bathroom to another lady's kitchen i think that that's the same with like all the kindnesses we do, that if we put them out into the world, they're probably going to get passed forward to somebody else and someone else, and we don't know where they end. So I'm, I'm really big on 
kindness, you know, and really be kind to yourself and then, you know, be kind to other people. Don't underestimate how a small act of kindness can do something like that story I said, completely yeah, unexpected, right? Uh, I'll have to send you the link to the episode I did with Kath Cashel a few years ago who created the kindness factory and the ripple effect that that has now had and, wow. um, the, yeah, just the growth of that factory and the growth of, of kindness and those ripple effects. You really love yeah. it. Maybe yeah. I should link you to actually two genuine yeah. legends making a massive impact in the world <laughs> through their work and through their kindness. Thank you, That's sir. Brilliant. Malcolm, you're a legend. You're a genuine man who's an inspirational example of choosing to live in alignment with your values and your priorities, even when Thank the you. world throws massive bloody curveballs at us. Oh, yeah. Keep shining your impactful light to the world, my man. Thank you, sir. Thank you. It's great, great to, great to be here. And uh, I'm really grateful we're connected and able to share a, a great blossoming friendship together. So thank you so much. It's definitely blossoming. It's just the beginning. There you go. What a genuine legend. What a genuine human soul. I definitely need to get Malcolm back on again because we barely scratched the surface of what this man has to offer. Make sure you follow him online and let him know you're keen to get hold of his book when it's released. I sure am. Let him know that you heard him on this podcast too. Tag us both on Instagram stories. We'd love that. So you can find him on Instagram at at Brave Coach and on LinkedIn at Malcolm Larry. So L-M-A-L-C-O-L-M-L-A-R-R-I, Malcolm Larry. And just another reminder to please share this podcast, this episode and any other episodes that you find valuable so we can all work together to create massive impact in the world. Keep thriving, legends, and as always, remember, this is your life journey, your life of impact.